right. Good morning, Restoration Church. Pastor Nate has been talking the last couple weeks about launching and being a part of the launch. Uh, first week he was talking about it's going to take preparation to launch. And I love that because it's going to take something on our part. And how we prepare is through prayer. And the fun thing about that is that we get to really know what God wants us to do. God starts to move in our hearts, move in our lives. And as we prepare our hearts, prepare our spirit for what God wants us to do, Pastor Nate spoke the second week about preparing to create a team, putting the right team together. And uh, you just can't go into a launch not knowing who you're going to be ministering with. And the, 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 the lovely part about that is that God wants you to be a part of the greater plan. Pastor Nate, I love him. He said that, um, that the, uh, there is a great commission. The greater plan is for us to, to serve, and then there is a sub-plan. I love what he says. He says there's a sub-go and a main-go. And that main-go is what we all need to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the sub-go is whatever God is calling us to launch in our hearts. And we are to move in that vein and, and understand that we have to do everything under the main-go. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 1, and I'm just going to paraphrase just a little bit because it is a kind of a lengthy uh, passage. And so a lot of good things have been going on. The Holy Spirit moved in the upper room with 120, and God is just moving in a mighty and powerful way. And then Peter and John decide to step out, and they see a beggar sitting beside the road right in front of the gate called Beautiful. And here... They feel the Holy Spirit moving upon them to pray and to heal this man. He was a man that was lame ever since he was, he was born. And so we pick up the story at that juncture where he has been healed and God has been doing amazing things. But how many know that something so miraculous, something so crazy, something so out of the box gets around town? Everybody talks about it. And that's where we pick it up. Here, Peter and John have been apprehended by the authorities of the day. And those authorities, it was during the evening time, so there wasn't a really a time to, to get a council together. And so they threw them right in jail immediately. The Bible says that there was so much going on with that healing that people believed and it was men of 5,000 in number. Can you imagine that's just the male population? It, it, it didn't include women or children, and it could be well over 10,000 people that got blessed just because of that one circumstance, that one situation. And we pick it up the next day where here are the two disciples are sitting in front of this council. And verse 8 of Acts chapter 4 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
rulers and elders of our people. We are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified by whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Verse 14, but since they could see the men who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Amazing. Amazing. Later on, we, we see that Peter and John were let go with a little slap on the hand, and they were kind of threatened in a certain way that not to do it again. And this morning, I want to go to the next step not only do we prepare, assemble a team, but we also need to persevere. When God is doing something so amazing and so great, there is always going to be opposition in the midst of our plans. The enemy of our soul wants nothing more than to destroy the launch that God has placed in you and birthed in you and wants nothing to do but kill it. And God wants to raise you up, raise this church up, and do amazing things in it and through it, and in it, in you and through you. So this morning, I was thinking about some of the great launches across our history. We've heard about NASA, but some of the, the, the businesses that have come and gone, that have uh, that have uh, failed, persevered, and succeeded. I was thinking as I was driving by KFC and longing for their coleslaw, I was thinking about the guy in the white suit with the bow tie, Colonel Sanders. He was 62 years old, and he had only $105 in his pocket from a social security check that he had cashed out. He was pitching his chicken recipe to restaurants in the area, and over a thousand people told him he was crazy and that he should give up. In 1939, he figured out a way to pressure fry the chicken in a faster, more consistent way, and that became history. No matter how old you are, no matter how much money you have, the bottom line is you can accomplish something great if you put your heart and mind to it. Come on. Then I was thinking about Thomas Edison, and everybody enjoys the light bulbs, especially when the lights go out. And this famous American is attributed to over 10,000 failures of a light bulb. And when asked by a news 
newspaper reporter that if, if, um, if he felt like a failure and he was ready to give up, I love what his response was. Very simplistic. It said, he said this way, why would I feel like a failure and why would I ever give up? You see, I definitely know 9,000 ways not to make a light bulb. It's all about perspective. Success is almost around the corner. And how many know he did it? Uh, and I was thinking about Michael Jordan, probably one of the greatest basketball players of all times. If you had an opportunity to watch him uh, play for the Chicago Bulls in the 80s, it was amazing. But in 1978, Michael Jordan was just another little kid, five foot ten, in a gymnasium of his high school, trying out for his high school basketball team among 50 other kids. And he says that it was an embarrassing moment because he did not make the team because he didn't know how to, to dribble. He didn't know how to, uh, to pass the ball, and he did not know how to dunk. And Jordan later said that he went home, locked himself in his room, and he cried. And he picked himself up later, and he turned the cut into a motivation. He says it this way, whenever I was working out and got tired and figured out that I ought to stop, I closed my, my eyes and I saw the list in the locker room without my name on it. Jordan would explain later that, that usually that got me motivated again to work harder and better and to be the best that I can be. The summer leading into his junior year, Jordan made the varsity squad. And became his high school's best player ever. Almost averaging more than 20 points a game, Jordan ended his high school career in style and became an All-American. If you ever followed him, you know he's multiple MVPs and it goes on and on, the accolades. And I was thinking, uh, somebody more on the creative side. Let's, let's pull somebody out of history. Let's talk about Walt Disney. Walt Disney is an interesting character. He was fired by his editor in 1919 from his job as a Kansas City Star paper because he, and this is what I quote, lacked in imagination and had no good ideas. However, the man who brought Mickey Mouse and a slew of other characters didn't stop persevering. He actually went bankrupt and somehow got his business back on its feet again, and it became what it is today. Persevering in the midst of failure. My mom always used to say that you'll never succeed unless you fail. I want to give you a, definite, a working definition of perseverance this morning. And this is going to be key in our points uh, later on in this sermon. Uh, first of all, the working definition is to persist in anything undertaken. Maintain a purpose in spite of your difficulties, your obstacles, or even your discouragement. To continue steadfastly. And I want to take those three words. Persist, maintain, and condition or continue. And I want to kind of grab hold of those ideas and move forward and say, we can persevere. The first thing in perseverance is you need to persist, don't resist, 
when opposition happens. Persist. Don't resist when opposition happens. You see, in verse 3, in chapter 4, it says, they, they arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail. Can you imagine? And nowhere in Scripture do we see or even read that Peter and John resisted the arrest. They went willingly. It's interesting in comparison that earlier when Peter, on the day that Jesus was portrayed, uh, betrayed, they, they saw that, that the soldier was about to take the arm of Jesus. And what did Peter do? He took out his sword and what? He cut the ear off of the soldier. Later, Jesus had to do some surgery and he healed him. And now he, he's listening to him better than ever. But what was going on? Something happened. Those who arrested Peter and John expected some type of resistance. And the Bible says that they became disturbed. They were anxious. They were troubled and they were worried. These guys are going to give us a run for our money. And the bottom line is they never went that route. Peter and John were all too familiar with the type of resistance that they were going to give them because of what they saw Jesus go through in his years of ministry. You see, there's an enemy of our soul, an enemy of our mission, an enemy of our launch that is, is in control of those who are spiritually dead. And I can guarantee you he wants nothing more to, to break down what God is doing here in restoration, break down what God is doing in your family, break down what he is doing in your life. He wants nothing to do but kill and destroy you and steal everything that you have. This morning, how we persevere is going to be the game changer in life. You heard some of the old how-tos. It's not how you die, but it's how you live for him. Persevere. It's not how you start, but how you finish. Persevere. It's not how you fall down, but how you pick yourself back up. Persevere. It's not how you look, but, how you, but what you perceive. Persevere. It's not how you win, but how you play the game. Persevere. It's not how much you do, but how much love is in what you do, persevere. It's not what you say, but how you say it, persevere. It's not, what, it's not how you pick your nose, but where you put it, it counts. Use a tissue, then persevere. And some of you wives are elbowing your husband saying, he knows you. He's got your number, Right? can't believe he called you out on this. Right? Someone once said, per persistence is proven by persevering even when you don't see the point of it. I'm going to persist. I'm going to push forward. Because that's what God wants me to do. End of conversation. Persist. Don't resist when opposition comes your way. You see, often we make the mistake that opposition is a negative and we take it personal and we think and we have to process it internally and we, we come up with the negatives and we're resistant about it when God's saying, hey, there is a lesson to be learned in all this and I've got something for you to grab hold of. The lesson for us is better for us if we persist, if we persevere through the discomfort. 
Persist, not resist when opposition happens. Uh, number two, maintain a readiness and response in the spirit. Verse 8 really sets the tone for what is about to happen. And we read that this morning. So you can you, you let it mull over in your, in your mind. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. You see, the group that arrested Peter and John, they were a powerful group. You see, the high priest, he was a man of clout, influence, and prestige. He knew how to get the job done. He had the right people at the right team around him, and he knew what to do. He had a second in command, the captain of the guard, and he was from a military background, and he was physical. The Sadducees were also a powerful group, but they were more on the religious side. And they were the ones who were interpreting and enforcing the, the, the Jerusalem's religious rules and, and laws. And they knew what Jesus had already preached. And the bottom line is, is that, that Peter and John were already mimicking and preaching the same gospel, the same message that Jesus preached. And they knew already what was about to happen. You see, in response to the persecution is to persevere by proclaiming the gospel that got them in trouble in the first place. That's what we need to do. We need to know our word. We need to know who the Savior that we serve. And we need to go in knowing that there is spiritual warfare in the launch and we need to persevere in it. You see, Peter's response was to preach a 33-second sermon on the proclamation of of a resurrection. Even though Jesus is not here, he's still alive. And that's what they were getting across. Even though he was not here, he's still alive. And we will be with him one day. You see, Peter and John were ready for spiritual warfare. They understood that, yes, I am prepared. I am ready. I've got my plan set up. I've got my right team put together. But now there's something more that has to happen. Something more. You see, we can't do it in and of ourselves. If we're going to be spiritually ready, we need to know the source of our spiritual warfare. The person that's going to help us the most. If we do it on our own, guess what? This is what happens. We go to the board, which is our mission, our launch, and we work at it. And how many know have used this type of, of hand tool? It is rigorous. It is tough. It is hard to get through that wood. And you're sitting there. You're moving. And there is a lot of sweat and tears put into it. And we know that it takes a lot of work. But this is us doing it in our own power. This is us doing it in our own will and our own abilities. And God said, I sent somebody to help you to make it easier and yet more powerful. And so he sets it up. Bible in it. 
And this is the power in which the Holy Spirit gives us. No longer doing it in our own power, in our own way, in our own abilities. But he says, this is what is about to happen. If you would just remain in me, would you just go to me? I've got the power source, and I can do it. No doing it in our own power. No more toiling so hard. He says, I've, I'm here for you. I've got your back. You see, there's a spiritual difference in the handsaw versus the power saw. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do it by myself. I want to walk in the spirit. And if you look at Peter's response to the council, there is a quickness. There was a boldness that even they recognized and said, these men are ordinary men. These guys are not theologians, but there's something different about them. Are you with me, church? It was the Holy Spirit moving in Peter and John at that very moment when they needed the most. And it, this morning, if we will just persevere in what God has called us to do and not move away from it, the Holy Spirit will not only help us, will come alongside of us and help us all the way through it. Come on, church. You see, when we persevere based on our own abilities, talents, and merits, we fail and we come short of what we were designed to accomplish. But when we are ready and bold in the spirit, we can cut through life's difficulties with his power at hand. It's the Holy Spirit that motivates and moves us and helps us to succeed. Persist. Don't resist when opposition happens. Maintain a readiness and response to the Spirit. And then thirdly this morning, continue with the launch that God has placed in you. Look at verse 19. He says, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? You see, they gave him an ultimatum. You need to do this and stop talking about Jesus and stop teaching and preaching that. Or there's going to be some more consequences. And he's, he, he stepped up to the plate and he said, guess what? Verse 20, we cannot stop. Love those three words. Telling about everything we have seen and heard. You see, Peter and John stood their ground based on the commitment and love they had for God. I'm in it to win it with you. I'm going all the way. Nothing's going to stop me. We cannot stop. If you think about it, if they stepped into and allowed the council to dictate what was about to happen, and they did stop, Christianity as we know it would have died on the cross with Jesus. At that moment, they had committed to not stopping, and the gospel went forward because they realized that the creator of the universe was in charge, not the government, not the people, not the crowd, nobody except God himself. 
this morning, maintain the readiness. Continue with the launch that God has placed in you. Are you ready? Are you ready to respond and say, God, here I am. I don't know about you, but I was thinking that we all have places, tough times in our life, and we all need to persevere, whether it be one area of our life or whether it be our children or whether it be our business or whether it be our workplace or whatever. It could be medical, whatever. And I was thinking about this this, this week, and, and I wanted to write this down, and so I want you to put it down. If you're going through hell don't stop at the rest area. Keep going. Think about it. He said hell. No, it's in the Bible. If you're going through hell, why are you stopping to take a breather? That's not your exit. That's not your rest area. There is no rest there. Keep going. Persevere. Move forward. Stephen Furtick, um, a lead pastor in Charlotte, said it this way, failure isn't final until you quit. Let that soak in. Failure isn't final until you quit. When we started off and on all those different people that had persevered and pushed forward, they didn't quit. I love what Steve Jobs says, put a dent in the universe, right? That's what we're here for. We need to put a dent in the universe and do what God has called us to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. And he's birthing something in you. Don't be afraid to step out and answer that call. Don't be afraid to say, God, okay, I understand what you want me to do, but I don't know how to get there. Nobody really does. There's no real manuals that come with this stuff. I remember when my, when, my, when my daughter was first born, there was no manual that came with her. All I knew that is I had to change diapers and feed her, love her, and make her all mine. And you know what? She came out pretty good. She's 21 years old, and she's just on fire. What is God speaking to you about this morning? Persist. Don't resist when opposition happens. It's tough. It's not easy moving forward in the things of God. But maintain a readiness and a response in the spirit because when those times do come, you're going to be ready. And I know exactly what I need to say and do because I don't even have to think about it. It's just there because it's the Holy Spirit moving in you and through you. And I know for some that is so foreign, it's a foreign concept. The more you walk in the Spirit, the more you allow the Spirit to use you, the more you're gonna be like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then continue, don't give up. Don't stop at the rest area. Failure is never an option in life. Keep moving forward. Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are raising up an army. You are raising up a church, Lord God, to take on, Lord God, New Hampshire, to take on the Northeast, to take on the world, Father. And Father, we thank you for the main 
the main mission, Lord God, that you called us to to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But Lord God, I thank you for, this, for the sub-go that, Lord, you are birthing something in us. Help us to walk in it confidently, to persevere when difficult times arise. And that, Lord God, you would do great and mighty things in us and through us because you've called us out to do so. Lord God, just one more. In your name, we pray. And everyone said this morning, amen, amen. God bless for restoration.